Hello everybody and welcome back to Success Clinic where we are committed to helping you maximize your God-given potentials along your journey to attaining your pinnacle of success. You are listening to another episode, another scintillating episode of our podcast, The Briefing with the Dope Doctor. I remain your host, Daniel Oluwagbemileke Pukwola. We are thrilled by the honor and privilege to have an amazing guest in the studio with us today. Our guest is one of a kind trailblazer in the field of global philanthropic medicine. And you will be shocked by his humble beginnings and the tremendous work he has done in you know, serving our community. He's a matchless example of a servant leader and a complete embodiment of the Hippocratic oath that guides the medical profession. After graduating from medical school in 1993, and after he completed his residency, he started a private practice in Buffalo's uh, east side? West side. West side, sorry. Uh, with a unique goal in mind. He wanted to make healthcare available to the poorest among us. Today, by the grace of God, and driven by his passion and impact on the community, his practice has grown exponentially in, in, you know, to include five locations across Western New York, a dental care center, and pharmacy. His organization also runs community programs for new mothers and children at risk. He offers financial education. Uh, his organization runs the Vive Shelter for Asylum Seekers and the Hope Refugee Drop-In Center. You know, he has what I believe is the most diverse healthcare organization in the Western New York region. The diversity among his staff is strategically designed to mirror the diversity distribution among his patient population, you know, from across the globe, who speak over 56 languages collectively. I mean, from personal experience, working in his clinic was the first place that every time patients come in, you have a huge chart of different numbers for translators that you can call just to make sure that the patient is heard in their own native language, the language that they are comfortable with. And you will be amazed how this patient melt to, you know, the kind of care that they, that they receive and the support that they sense when they're able to express their problems in their own personal languages. Uh, his passion and commitment has facilitated the opening of healthcare centers in several third world countries, including Nepal, Sierra Leone, and the Democratic Republic of Congo. Now, now, let me just give you a glimpse of the global impact that his uh, organization has accomplished just in the year 2020. And that was during the pandemic. His practice served nearly 26,000 patients during almost 90,000 visits. And that was just in the Buffalo City region. That is almost 7,500 visits every single month. And at his international locations, they've served more than, they served more than 60,000 patients in that same year. That's like 5,000 patients monthly in third world countries where they would otherwise not have had the medical care. And growing up in one of those countries like Nigeria, it, these people have little or nothing to pay for this health care. 
but these are the population that are benefiting from the grace that this our guest brings to the world. Of course, he's had several awards um, that have recognized his uh, philanthropy and his altruism. In 2021, he received the award for excellence in nonprofit administration from the Buffalo Niagara chapter of the American Society for Public Administration. And this award recognizes a nonprofit administrator who displays professional integrity of high moral character and reputation who fostered more democratic societies served as a champion of, uh, of, of, of social equity, improved the way of a nonprofit organization operated and served as a role model for other nonprofit workers. He and his wife have also received uh, the New York State Senate's Liberty Medal, which, is, which was presented by Senator Sean Ryan in 2021. Uh, this award is the highest honor that can be bestowed upon a civilian by the member by a member of the New York State Senate. He was uh, in 2020, I believe. He was featured on WGRZ, uh, the TV station's new series called "The Selfless Among Us." Uh, that is a documentary uh, that recognizes individuals that have devoted their life to demonstrating utmost altruism in our communities. Now. He's here today for debriefing with a dope doctor. <laughs> uh, he, he's here to let us know the good, the great, and the lessons he's learned from this journey and to inspire and empower us so that we can also pursue our dreams, our goals that God has given to us and understand the challenges along the path and how we can overcome it. Now, it is a distinguished honor to have the one and only Dr. Myron Glick in the studio today. Daniel, thank you. That was quite the, the introduction. Took up most of your show. <laughs> I think you have a few questions you wanted to ask me. <laughs> I have tons of questions. I hope we can run through this because... Our people, our listeners really mm. want to know a lot more. They want to learn from this mm. journey. So we're going to, you know, with no further ado, we will jump you now into the questions real quickly. Um, and let's start with the, the good part. So I've, I've said my I've said my shot, you know, mm -hmm. from things I could read and learn, mm -hmm. you know, from the few interactions we've had. But why don't you tell our, our listeners, um, where were you born? Where did you grow up? I think that story is very interesting. Mm -hmm. And 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 what do you do for a living? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean I had I I have a pretty interesting background. Uh, I was born in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. My parents were both Amish and um when I was 3, well, as they got married then they left the Amish church and joined a similar sect that was called Beachy Amish or Amish Mennonite. They didn't have to use horse and buggies anymore, but they drove cars. My dad had this passion to be 
about missions, medical mission, well, not medical missions, but just missions in general. And so when I was three, my parents packed up. This was back in 1969. So it was a big deal. And they flew uh, from Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, where they had spent their whole life, uh, to Central America, to a country called Belize. And for the next 10 years, until I was 14, um, I lived in another country, lived in Belize. And really, that's where I think my view of the world was formed and for sure where I uh, developed my desire to be a family doctor. Mm, very interesting. Um, so from Belize, what happened? What was, how, was, how, how was your pursuit of, of medicine um, inspired, motivated, empowered, and ultimately, you know, uh, seen to fruition? Well, I think, I mean, in Belize, there was this sense that we were in a in a very rural part of the country, mm -hmm. and there were no doctors in that area. There was a nurse, I think, but really for any kind of emergencies, uh, people would have to figure out a way to get to the hospital in Belize City, which was probably an hour or two away. And my dad had the only vehicle on that side of the river, mm -hmm. so it was not unusual for my parents to be woke up in the middle of the night and be asked to sort of be an ambulance and take folks out to the hospital. And as a kid, I tagged along sometimes. I was there when there were snake bites. I was there, I remember one time actually a woman delivered in, in the truck as we were taking her to the hospital, wow. which was kind of a big deal for this little kid, right? Mm. Um, and I think in that moment, I realized that uh, there's a real need for doctors, which honestly, given my background, was not something that I could really rightfully dream of. Uh, my parents weren't allowed to go to high school. Um, there was no one in my family history that would have gone on to college. And really, the Amish Mennonite perspective was that if you went to college, too often they saw people lose their way, lose their faith, mm -hmm. give up on that life. And so there was not really an encouragement to go after those pursuits. Mm -hmm. So for me to think as a little kid growing up in Belize that someday I wanted to be a doctor was a pretty big deal. Mm. Um, we didn't have great schools. Uh, we, I went to a Mennonite, eventually my parents moved back to Lancaster and I went to a Mennonite, small Mennonite high school. Mm. Didn't have AP classes, didn't have, you know, we were taught by fellow Mennonites who hadn't necessarily gone to college. Mm. And so it was, it was a real challenge for me to think about someday, you know, being able to go to college and wow, actually get into medical school. Mm. Wow. So you have that background where your dream to be a medical doctor almost seemed like a fantasy, like something that was not going to be. It's, it, the circumstances surrounding your dream was, was not suitable to, to facilitate it. I mean, it's interesting. I think I was very fortunate to have the parents I had mm. growing up, and they actually thought that I was special. Mm. and made me feel that way. Mm. And so even though it was a dream that I think was against all the odds, mm. I never doubted it. Mm. So I don't think you succeed if you doubt yourself too much, right? Yes. And so even, even when the journey ahead looks a little bit improbable, I always had this sort of sense that it would, it would happen, mm. I think. Mm. 
I don't know. That's been a long time ago, but I think that's the way I always. No, I I absolutely agree with you, uh, Doctor Gleek. You know, I and you you remind me a little bit about myself. Mm -hmm. You know, I grew up in Nigeria where I wanted to be a doctor, mm -hmm. and you know the resources around mm -hmm. was not promising right. for for right. me to be a doctor. Mm -hmm. The cost, the the support and everything, mm -hmm. but like you said. And I think this is one thing I would like our audience to take on from this little part of the story so far. There are two things that often determines the future of kids. Number one, a kid that has a dream and believes in their dream. Number two, sometimes when they have parents, parents that believe in the dream of the kid and empowers the kids against all odds. Well, and I would say someone who believes in you, because there may be someone in your audience that didn't have that set of parents, but they had someone along the way that believed in them, a friend, a brother, a, a colleague, and encouraged them. I, I was I was just gonna none go. None of right us there. none of us become who we are just because we rolled up our sleeves all by ourselves and 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 uh, succeeded. We all succeed because we've really stood on the shoulders of someone else. Oh, thank you so much. That that, that you know, if I if I if we if it turned off the cameras right mm -hmm. now, we've mm -hmm. learned enough. Mm -hmm. But I know that there's a whole lot mm -hmm. more coming. But thank mm -hmm. you for sharing that, um, Dr. Mm -hmm. Gleek. I think it's super important to mm -hmm. know that. And and part of what you do, mm -hmm. uh, which we will get to, mm -hmm. is to look out for those people who are intrinsically motivated but the world around them mm -hmm. the water has not favored them enough mm -hmm. to have that mm -hmm. empowerment that extrinsic support mm -hmm. and that is part of what you do mm -hmm. and that is also one of the key um objectives of this show mm -hmm. which is to bring this kind of encouragement mm -hmm. this motivation mm -hmm. um and send it out to the world mm -hmm. to people mm -hmm. who are in their bedrooms who are defeated by life, mm -hmm. but have access to mm -hmm. a podcast mm -hmm. uh, channel or you know, YouTube that mm -hmm. everybody has. And just listen, hopefully this can revive their hope. Thank you so much for sharing that. So all of that inspiration led you to you know, uh, and God was faithful, God has been faithful and led you to be able to pursue medicine. Yeah, and I mean, for me, when I got to college, finally, that was the first time I really had biology, chemistry, uh, it wasn't easy. Mm. I I had to I had to learn this stuff all for really the first time because I had grown up in another country. Then I went to, you know, small parochial schools. Mm. Focus wasn't on getting graduates from those schools to college. Mm. And so in college, I really had to work hard. I think probably in college is, was where I. I realized how hard it was to actually get into medical school. Mm. And um, I, I I wouldn't say I doubted myself, but I definitely uh, had to work hard to get the grades. Back then, at least, it was when I, I didn't have preparation for the MCAT. Mm. It's not like my parents, you know, set me up with a couple thousand dollar program that would orient me. I didn't do that well in the MCATs, didn't, didn't do that great in at at, in college, and I was fortunate to get into one medical school. Mm. And that one medical school, I was waitlisted, and I found out that I got in like three weeks before the school started. 
So I was all up, you know, the summer, you're still not in med school. Mm. It's August and you get the call. I've been accepted finally to mm. one medical school. Mm. And that that taught me a lot. It taught me partly, though, not just about myself, you know, and, and not even just about God's faithfulness, but it taught me about um, inequity in our system. Mm. Because what I've realized over the years is that the MCAT isn't so much a, uh, a measure of uh, intrinsic intellect or talent. Mm-hmm. It doesn't predict who's going to be a great doctor or not. No, it does not. What it is solely is a measure of opportunity. Mm-hmm. And so if you grew up in a family where you went to great schools and you had all kinds of support, mm-hmm. and then you, you, you went to a great college mm-hmm. and you had excellent preparation for the MCAT and you did well, you can get into school. That's true. Right? So the MCAT, in my mind, was a measure of the lack of opportunity that I'd had to that point mm. to really be ready for a, for a medical school. But thankfully, God was faithful. I got into that one medical school, and that's really all I needed So to get that opportunity. As I think about today, as I look at you know folks in the communities that we serve here in Buffalo, I see Children, you know, I deliver babies. I, I watch them grow up as a family doc. I see their potential, mm. but I also see the lack of opportunity that so many of them face. Mm. And so mm. that's a challenge for us as a society. If we want a medical workforce that looks like the community that we all serve, then we have to figure out some better ways to get kids opportunity. Yeah, we need to look beyond those standardized uh, right. tests that just weed out people. Right. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Success Clinic, where our mandate is to empower you as you journey to the pinnacle of your God-given potentials. As a reminder, we have a ton of resources strategically planned and designed to facilitate your success. These resources include podcast episodes where we have exclusive interviews with the heroes of your communities who have successfully navigated the journey to greatness that you and I are aspiring for. We also have inspirational nuggets, activities, and exercises that we release almost daily, primarily on our social media platforms to consistently remind you and remain that voice of positive reinforcement and support that you need to stay focused on your your positive journey to success, especially when things are not going as planned. At Success Clinic, we also provide information about mentorship and scholarship opportunities for both local and international students and aspiring professionals. Furthermore, we provide free professional attires in our Pond to Shine uh, room that is sponsored by our suit drive and a whole lot more. For more details about all of this, please visit our website today at www.success-clinic.com. Now, our social media platforms, including Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok. Come hang out with us and join this unstoppable movement of ordinary people discovering and transforming into the extraordinary version of ourselves as we journey hand in hand together to the pinnacle of our God-given potentials. I remain yours, the Dope Doctor. I'm so thankful that you brought this up. Our first episode on this show was with uh, Dr. Kamina. She mentioned something just like you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. 
when she was applying to grad school as an immigrant. She applied to so many programs that did not get her. Mm -hmm. And just that single one that accepted her yeah. transformed her life. Right. Over that opportunity. Right. So for success, I think we also need that one time where we get that chance. That one right? time. Yeah. And then you have to do your very best with that chance. To make sure that that chance, yeah. you can prove that they made the right choice yeah. to give you that opportunity. Yeah. I mean, and this is not to make me look good, but when I, when I got to med school, I had figured out what, it, you know, I learned in college what's, what you need to do to, to succeed in that classroom. By the time I got to medical school, I had figured it out. And, mm. I, and in medical school, I did very well. That's good. You know, and, and so you need that chance. You need that one chance. Yeah. So hopefully, you no know, leaders, you no know, uh, gatekeepers for the institutions mm -hmm. that breed our professionals and breed the people that uh, save this world need to listen to this. Mm -hmm. My mind is blown. The person that did not get into any of the medical schools that was listed and just got another last chance mm -hmm. is the person that is bringing healthcare mm -hmm. to 60,000 people mm -hmm. in third world countries. Mm -hmm. But thank you for sharing that. I really hope that our listeners are getting this, this fact that even if you didn't get to every, if you, if you had all of those rejections, do not let it make you lose hope. Mm -hmm. Believe in what is inside of you. Believe in that dream you've always had, despite the limitations around you. Because that one gate is going to open someday. God will open that gate. And when that gate opens, God will prove to the world mm -hmm. what he has deposited in you. Thank you for sharing that, Dr. Blake. Um, so you shared with us, with the next question our guests have had, uh, our audience have had is, how, what are your inspirations to pursue this career in medicine? And you've shared that with us. Um, living in that environment, you felt like there is need for doctors in this world and you wanted to be that change that the world needed. Yeah, I mean, for sure, that was the, the, the reason to become a doctor. I, I will say that all along, I thought that eventually I would end up completing residency and my wife and I would go to another country and do medicine there because mm -hmm. I had grown up with seeing the need in, in other countries. I honestly had not understood uh, what was happening in this country. Mm -hmm. uh, most of my life I had spent out of the country. And then when I was here, it was in sort of these Mennonite communities that were sort of walled off from the rest of the world. I, I didn't understand the way the poor were treated. Mm -hmm. I don't think I understood at all the way people of color were treated by your system. Mm. And for me, the, 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 the wake up moment was in my third and fourth year of medical school here in Buffalo, mm. because then that's where you started to get out on the clinical rotations. That's correct, sir. And you would get in the hospital, you would get in the clinics. And for me, uh, ECMC in particular, the county mm -hmm. hospital here in Buffalo, where many of the poor were treated at that time, mm -hmm. I was astonished and appalled at the way the poor were treated by our system. Mm -hmm. uh, separate clinics, if you had insurance, you didn't get close to me. But if you had Medicaid or you had no insurance, you would be coming to see me, a medical student or a resident. We would scribble a little note on the chart. 
But if you had insurance, you saw the attending in the David L. Miller building mm. and you would get a, a whole different sort of type of care. And out of that came this, this realization for me that God was actually calling us to stay in the United States mm. and particularly to eventually it became clear uh, through a connection with a, a small Mennonite church here in Buffalo that we're actually we're supposed to come back to Buffalo and and start Jericho Road because we wanted to to we basically said if Jesus was a doctor today and he saw the brokenness in our healthcare system mm. and he saw the inequity and the racism and the way people were treated then what would Jesus do and so the the impetus the the reason for starting Jericho Road was a direct answer to that question. Hey, Jesus would start, if he was a doctor, he would come to the west side of Buffalo. I mean, we're on the east side of Buffalo now too, but he would come to Buffalo and he would open a practice that would welcome anyone, mm. regardless of your insurance status, and would treat them well. And so that Jericho has always been this sort of in-your-face moment, movement, mm. which is to say, is trying to say, and I don't mean to offend anyone in, who's listening, but it's trying to say that the current healthcare system that we have in this country is is broken. Yes. Because it doesn't treat the least of these, the vulnerable, the marginalized, in a way that is honoring to the humanity of each person. So Jericho Road was founded as a direct counter to that. Yeah. That was the reason we came back to Buffalo after residency. That was the reason we sacrificed to make Jericho Road become a reality. And that's why so many people, we have almost 600 employees now in Buffalo and across the world. It's why people decide to come to Jericho. And you're right, because that was what brought my family to Jericho Road. Mm -hmm. my, a member of my family was terribly sick and we didn't have insurance. And we came to Jericho Road. The last thing they asked from us was a means of payment. Now, like you said earlier, this is not to say that healthcare is free. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of cost that goes into it. Yeah. But in that moment, we had nothing. Mm -hmm. And Jericho Road opened their arms to us and treated us. Those are some of the experiences that inspire the path of medicine I'm trying to go into. The kind of way I want to practice medicine. And I just want to say thank you for doing this. Well, and the key for you is over the next six or seven years as you work so hard as a neurosurgical resident, hopefully, Amen. right, that you don't get to that point where you feel that the world owes it to you, but that you're still in that place of saying, if Jesus was a neurosurgeon today in this, in this place, how would Jesus act? And, and that's that, if you keep that front and center, then I think you will get to a place someday in your life where you'll be making a difference um, amongst the people who need the care the most. Thank you for mentioning that. That is one of the reasons I want to stay in Buffalo. Mm -hmm. All through my life, I've seen God manifest himself in so many ways beyond my understanding. He has taught me to always position myself in environments that will humble me. Because mm -hmm. many of the things that successful people lose in this world is when they begin to make it, they forget that sense. 
So even as God continues to help me to grow and establishes me, I try to still restrict myself to places where I know that there are people watching mm-hmm. me, guardians that I report to all the time. Mm-hmm. And these people would not hesitate to chastise me or let me know mm-hmm. if they begin to notice anything going out of the ordinary. This show is another way to ground myself in right. that humility. Continuing to hear the stories of people who go through the grit and empower right. the community. Continuing to work with the community that we have here so that, they, that we can continue to embed ourselves in this world to not lose our focus. That sounds like a good strategy. You, you, almost, you need a strategy to get through the next phase of your medical education. Thank you, sir. So the next question that our um, audience, uh, our listeners have had was they, they wanted to understand what inspired, you know, the unique population that you serve. Well, when we started in 1997 on the west side of Buffalo, we really thought that the population we were going to serve was working class folks on the west side of Buffalo. There was some diversity. We at the, Originally, we had Italian folks sometimes come into Jericho, didn't speak English. Uh, There were some black and brown folks, some folks from Puerto Rico, uh, some Native Americans. But mostly it was working class people with or without insurance, some Medicaid. What happened, though, which we didn't see coming, and, and just to back up a little bit, when we... When I made the decision to come back to Buffalo and start Jericho, in a way, there was some pain to that decision because I had really wanted to be a medical missionary doctor in another country. That was my passion. Mm -hmm. But I felt God was calling to come back to Buffalo. So we did it. It It's almost like an obedience. Mm -hmm. We didn't know that what would happen over the first 5, 10, and still happening today is that the world would start coming to Buffalo. Mm -hmm. That. Buffalo is a city that's been built on the backs of immigrants from the time it was, you know, begun. But the latest wave of immigrants are people not coming from Europe Mm -hmm. or not so much coming as the great migration from the South, black folks, which happened in the 20th century. But this was a migration of refugees from Mm -hmm. places like the former Yugoslavian Republic or Burma, Sudan, uh, Somalia. Iraq, Afghanistan, Nepal, mm. just so many different people poured, were suddenly pouring into Buffalo. And mm. what we did in that moment is we said, we want to be there for these folks. And so we went to the health department. We said, we'll do the initial assessments. We'll, mm. we'll, they can be our patients. Mm. And that decision really set Jericho to, on its way to now being the, basically the safety net for refugees, asylum seekers that are here in Buffalo. I mean, we have made intentional efforts over the, especially the last 10 years to be, you know, we we started two uh, practices on the east side of Buffalo. We care deeply about the racial health disparities. I think for me, that came out of the awakening for me was the Hurricane Katrina mm. and realizing the inequity that happened just from a hurricane. Mm. But anyway, we're, we're positioning ourselves in Buffalo to, to address not only the need of refugees, but to do what we can to address uh, racial health inequity. But bottom line is because of those two decisions, 
Jericho is incredibly diverse. Mm. And every day when I see patients, 25, 30 patients, I, I basically, it's a United Nations. Mm. Basically, it's people from all over the world and then from all over Buffalo who are coming to Jericho and I'm never bored. Mm. And I always, every day, learn something new. Yeah. Right? So it's been an amazing privilege. Here at Success Clinic, we just want to say thank you. Thank you for making the date with us again today. I hope that you're having an amazing time and capturing the golden treasures contained in this episode. We know how valuable your time is and we truly appreciate it. We also want to send a shout out to those of you out there who have been engaging with us, sending us feedback on how these conversations have transformed your lives and how they have become a manual for your own journey to success. Thank you as well to all of you who have been providing commentaries and sharing the word and episodes with your friends, families, and communities. Your effort is a priceless gift to us. Your engagement makes our dreams come true by facilitating the exponential expansion of the impact that this podcast is having on our community. This way, you continue to inspire us to give our best to this cause. We're truly grateful and we look forward to even greater opportunities to serve you better. Eshe, Dalu, Nagode. Muchas gracias. Asante. Mercy. Thank you. Now, let's get back to the episode. And then the 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 the, the most incredible part of this story in terms of God blessing me, I think personally, is We've built relationships with refugees here in Buffalo, and now we're following them home mm. to their countries, mm-hmm. like Sierra Leone, like DRC, Nepal. like Nepal. And now I'm, I have the chance every, every year to travel two or three times a year to those countries and see God working and Jericho Road working in those places. So my life in some ways has come full circle. Mm. And yet I'm still based here in Buffalo doing this work. And so I'm privileged. I'm, I'm, I'm always thankful for what Jericho Road has become because it gives me joy every day. Mm, mm. Thank you for sharing that. I think it's powerful when you said your life has come in a circle. You initially intended to be a missionary doctor. As a kid. That's why I went kid, into right? my, Yeah. And then God... Put me to Buffalo, Put you Buffalo, which was like far away from that. I thought, <laughs> and right? then and then you served God's purpose in Buffalo, mm-hmm. and that purpose has taken you back. Yeah. Now the world came back to Buffalo, came to Buffalo in ways I would have never thought. Why Imagine. would why would Burmese folks come to a blue collar Rust Belt, mm. you know, struggling city on the on the coast of Lake Erie? Mm. I never mm. saw that happening, and yet it's happened. And now the ability to to follow these folks back to their countries and do medical work that's yeah. real and substantial. Like you I said, know. I see a day coming where Jericho will see more people in other countries than we will see here in Buffalo. Mm. Um, and so that gives me a lot of joy. You know, I, I think this is not one of the questions, but this just popped in my head about what I think Jericho has transitioned beyond just treating people here or providing health care to them. You said 
there are over 600 staff mm -hmm. in Jericho Road. Mm -hmm. But you have begun to help the people from these countries to train them mm -hmm. and then releasing them back. Mm -hmm. And then many of them carry this training, this education, this healthcare uh, skills back to those countries to actually deliver healthcare to their people. Yeah, it's a very unique model. And I think, I think it's one that God is blessing and I think it, it has real potential. Mm, mm. Thank you for sharing that. There's a lot more to share, but I, you know, we are in time constraint. Um, definitely these conversations will continue down the road by God's grace. The next question, I think the next two questions before we take our first break uh, is, can you share the expanse of services that Jericho Road provides to the community? Yeah, I, I, I tell folks usually we do five things at Jericho in general. We provide primary health care. That's, that's our, our most important thing, what gets us in the door. We have lots of family docs and uh, nurse practitioners and others who just provide basic health care. Mm -hmm. We deliver babies as part of that. We have a pharmacy. We have behavioral health. But it's all around primary health care. But we've recognized a long time ago that if someone is truly going to be healthy, Mm. that it's not just about the healthcare that we provide, but it's about helping folks. We talk about the social determinants of health, yes. you know, education, housing, exposure to the criminal justice system, racism, segregation, all that stuff matters, probably matters more than the healthcare than you and I provide. Yes. So we've really tried to, to start to address in, in, in some fashion uh, design programs that help people succeed. Mm. in some area of their life. I see. We partner with the University of Buffalo to to run a family medicine residency program. Mm. We have 12 family medicine residents now every, or four every year, but 12 at one time, who are learning the Jericho Road way. Mm. Hopefully become great family docs down the road and have a sense of of purpose and meaning to that. We run the shelter, Vive, for asylum seekers. Every night we have somewhere between 100 and 150 people. Imagine They're that. coming from all over the world. Powerful, Most of them came powerful. through the southern border. They found their way up here in Buffalo, and we're helping them try to find a home, whether it's here or in Canada. Mm. And then the final thing we do is our global work. Mm. This, this model, which starts with relationship building in Buffalo, mm -hmm. goes back to these countries, and and we actually operate five health centers in, in three different countries. And we, I constantly get patients who ask me, Dr. Glick, when are you going to come to South Sudan? Mm. You know, what about Ethiopia or Burma? Yes. I'm waiting for the refugee from Belize to come in and say, what about Belize? <laughs> but that hasn't happened yet. Hopefully it's going to happen soon. But anyway, that's what Jericho Road does. Thank you so much for sharing. And the last question for this section what was your happiest day on this journey? The single one happiest day. I know there have been a ton of happy days, but the single one happiest day you've had on this journey. Yeah, I, thought of, I saw that question. I just don't think it's a fair question. <laughs> uh, first of all, as a dad, the single most happiest oh. day has always been the birth of my four children. Oh. You, you're a dad too. And yes. I'm sure you have a clear vision of their each of their births oh yeah i remember so the tears in my eyes nothing can beat that <laughs> nothing um 
you know, there's been great moments at Jericho, us getting started, mm. becoming a federally qualified community health center. I found that out. We had been initial. It was a huge application. That's back in 2012. It was like 300 pages. It was highly competitive, national thing mm. to become an FQHC or a community health center. We were initially rejected. Two months later, I'm in the airport in Indianapolis, and I get a call from my staff, and they had gotten a call from the U.S. government from HRSA saying that they reviewed our application and they want to give us the designation. Mm. That was huge. Mm. You know, we've grown so much in the last 10 years. So it was a big, big deal. But then I think about, you know, being in Sierra Leone when we opened our clinic there or being in Congo or, you know, I don't know, delivering a baby. So you, I can't tell you one day. (laughs) I I wish I could. No, that's acceptable. That was a trick question. And I'm glad that you did a really good justice to that question. Well, thank you so much. So that concludes our part of the good. Now, this is the part where people want to know the sacrifices. Are you ready for this, sir? All right. Ask me the questions. I'll see what we can do. Okay. Well, we'll take a little break, and then we'll be right back. <laughs> 